Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Darshawn McAway. You're tuned in to WOW Podcast. By all means, go to wowpodcast.me. That's W-O-W-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot M-E. Now, today we have a special guest. We have Robert J. Sawyer. He's here to talk to us about his latest book, The Oppenheimer Alternative. Robert, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Darshawn. Thank you so much for asking. What is this book about? So the Oppenheimer alternative is about J. Robert Oppenheimer, who was the father of the atomic bomb. Now, 75 years ago this summer, that was the birth of the atomic bomb with the Manhattan Project, the first atomic explosion on July 16th, 1945, the Trinity test, and the destruction, very tragic, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki on the 6th and 9th of August, 1945, respectively. And it's an alternate history novel. So that's a class or some class of science fiction that deals with, well, what if things had gone differently? And I wanted Oppenheimer, who never had a redemption story, who never had a way of getting, uh, you know, making up for what he had wrought on the world, to get a chance, another kick at the can after the war to maybe do something positive. He very famously said, at the moment of the first atomic explosion, he claims to have said or thought from Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. And I wanted to give him a chance to later say if he succeeds, now I have become life, the savior of our world. And that's the Oppenheimer alternative in a nutshell. So what got you interested into science fiction? You know, I'm 60 years old now, which is ancient. But it means I was born in 1960. So the 60s was a couple of interesting things happened. First, it was the decade of the space race, right? It was the decade of the entire manned space program from the first human being in space, who was Yuri Gagarin, the Soviet, to the first man on the moon, who was Neil Armstrong, an American. That was my childhood backdrop. But beyond just the reality of space, in 1968, I'm eight years old then, 2001, A Space Odyssey is in theaters, and it has that year in its title. Now, my dad, who took me to see it at eight years old, and I loved it. I don't know what an eight-year-old would make of it today. It's very slow-paced, but I loved it. My dad, sitting next to me, is 43. I can do the math. Born in 1960, even at eight, I can do that easy math. How old will I be in 2001? 41 younger than my dad, and that's my future. Cities on the moon, orbiting space stations with hotels and restaurants in them, interplanetary travel, artificial intelligence, hibernation for long space voyages. Oh, my God, the first discovery of evidence of extraterrestrial life. All of that's in 2001. All of that's my lifetime. I wanted to be part of telling the stories, as Arthur C. Clarke, the guy who wrote 2001 did, telling the stories that would prepare us for the wonders that were coming down the pipe. So do you have any interest in turning this book into an actual, I guess, TV series, so to speak, or maybe a I short would film? To. I mean, of course, uh, uh, you know, um, I was lucky enough, this is my 24th novel, The Oppenheimer Alternative. I was lucky enough to have one of my previous novels flash forward made into an ABC TV series 10 years ago, 2009-2010 season. We had 22 episodes starring Joseph Fiennes, John Cho, 
Gabriel uh, Union, among other people, just an absolutely fabulous cast, wonderful show. And, uh, of course, I made a lot of money and <laughs> made friends that I still have from the cast and crew. And if that could happen again with the Oppenheimer alternative, I would be happy as a clam. What is inspiring you to to come up with this content? Like, what's that What's that moment, that wow moment that says, you know what, I need to do this? So you raise a very good question because, as I say, I'm 60 years old. I'm 24 novels into the game now. I've won 62 writing awards, if you can believe it, including the biggest in my field, the Hugo Award for Best Novel of the Year, the Nebula Award for Best Novel of the Year, the John W. Campbell Memorial Award for Best Novel of the Year. I have to be inspired and challenged to want to sit down in front of my keyboard and bother to write another book. And we're living in a world right now, Darshan, where uh, science is being discounted. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, and there are people who are saying, well, you can't trust Anthony Fauci, you can't trust the scientists, you can't trust the epidemiologists, it's all a hoax. Now, obviously, I didn't know about the pandemic that mm -hmm. my book was going to come out in the middle of, but I knew there had been a general denial of science related to another existential crisis, climate change. And I was looking back and thinking, was there a time in my lifetime, or at least in living memory, in which scientists were listened to as the most authoritative, intelligent people on the planet instead of being discounted? And you go back to World War II, or right after World War II. Of course, Manhattan Project was secret. Even Harry Truman, who became president uh, after the death of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he was vice president, right? This is why, by the way, right now we're talking about, you know, the pick of vice president. Joe Biden has picked uh, Kamala Harris. Of course, Donald Trump is going to have uh, Mike Pence uh, on his ticket as vice president. It really matters. Because mm -hmm. if the president dies, the vice president, whether it's Kamala or whether it's uh, Pence, becomes the president. Well, that happened in World War II. In the middle of a world war, FDR healed over dead. And President Truman, well, Vice President Truman became the sworn in as president. And he, it was so secret, the Manhattan Project, that even he didn't know about it until after he became president. Vice president, it was above his security grade of vice president at the time. So it was after World War II, immediately after, once the bombs were dropped, the two atomic bombs, President Truman went on the radio and told the world that the greatest scientific undertaking in history had created the atomic bomb. And every one of the major characters, the major scientists, each of which is, I like to think, a vividly portrayed character in my novel, The Oppenheimer Alternative, every single one of them became world famous and became essentially a guru, somebody who was listened to and paid attention to and was an advisor to policy. And I thought, my goodness gracious, how far we have fallen in 75 years from scientists being our leading intellectuals to being people who deny science being given more primacy in our public discourse. So, Robert, in today's time with the COVID doing what it's doing and the world is in a full pandemic, uh, what do you want people to know about you as your last impression as an author? 
my last impression as I die from COVID-19. <laughs> so let's hope it's not my last one, but maybe my lasting one would be yeah. that, uh, that, you know, I'm an optimistic writer. I'm a science mm-hmm. fiction writer, and I'm in a field where most of my colleagues shade towards the dystopia, right? Margaret Atwood is my famous – I'm a Canadian. So Margaret Atwood is my famous contemporary. She's a little bit older than me. Well, she's a lot older than me, okay? Margaret is longer in the tooth than I am, and I'm pretty long in the tooth. But, mm-hmm. um, but you know, her stuff is very, very dark, uh, dystopian, right? The Handmaid's Tale, and it's more recent – I guess last year, sequel, uh, the Testament. I'm an optimist. I do think we're going to come out of this. I do think that the future will be better than the present. I do think that in the end, our rationality, our science, our logic will get us through this crisis and the other ones that we're facing, including what I alluded to, which was uh, the climate change crisis. So what are you doing besides writing? What 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 else is keeping your attention uh, when you can't focus on writing? Well, I'm a very lucky man because I have been a full-time professional writer since 1984 and a full-time novelist since 1992. So when I'm not writing, and I, I, I do well the profession, so I don't have to do anything else. I'm lucky. I'm very lucky because it is, and I'll tell you that any of your Listeners who want to be writers, it's, uh, I, I happen to think I'm pretty good, but okay. that's not the decisive factor. Luck is the decisive factor. I have friends who are every bit as good or better than me who have not been as economically fortunate as I have. Fortune is just from the Latin word for luck, right? I have been mm-hmm. lucky. And um, that said... When I'm not writing, I still essentially define my life as a literary life. So when I'm not writing, I'm reading. And when I'm reading, it's almost always to fuel my writing. I'm either reading another novelist, and my advice to anybody, I happen to write science fiction. Somebody else might write mystery, uh, you know, uh, romance or, or mainstream or Western, whatever it is, horror, uh, whatever you write. My advice is to read widely outside of your own category. Uh, so I read um, a lot of mystery fiction, even though I'm a science fiction writer, a lot of mainstream fiction, even though I'm a science fiction writer. Because you learn the, trip, the, the, the uh, tricks and tips from other people who are working in the, you know, that broad field of literary arts, but are, are perhaps uh, drawing on a different wellspring than you are. And it's very, that cross-pollination uh, is very useful. So by chance, are you teaching any writing courses like via Zoom or anything like that? So I did for many years. And the sad truth, not through Zoom, but uh, face-to-face. And this weekend, as you and I happen to be recording this, is the Aurora Awards, which are Canada's National Science Fiction and Fantasy Awards. And I'll tell you, nothing gives me more joy each year than seeing so many of my students being on the ballot for the Aurora Awards, and sometimes on the ballot for bigger awards in my field, the Hugo or the Nebula. But to see my students um, at the top of their game now makes me very happy because I gave up teaching over a decade ago. And the sad truth is what I said about economics notwithstanding, 
there are all sorts of things one can do to make money as a writer. Writing scripts, which I do. I'm a member of the Writers Guild of America, uh, is very lucrative. Writing novels at my level is, is significantly lucrative. Uh, writing short stories, eh, not so much. And teaching, the least of them all. I taught science fiction writing for over 20 years. I've got many students who I'm enormously proud of. I'll name just one, Edward Willett, who is a mainstay of the U.S. science fiction and fantasy publisher Daw Books. Um, go get, you know, by all means, get a Robert J. Sawyer novel, but go and get one by my student Edward Willett as well. All right, so let's tell people how they can get in contact with you, you know, possibly through social media and where to purchase your books. Absolutely. First, my books are traditionally published. So COVID-19, a lot of stores are closed. Some went out of business, sad to say. But in general, generally speaking, the Oppenheimer Alternative by Robert J. Sawyer should be in any bookstore. And if it's not, any bookstore of any type can order any book for you. So my first advice is, your independent bookseller. They need the money. They need the support. Of course, Amazon, of course, Barnes and Noble, chapters up here in Canada, wherever your online bookseller is, they'll have it. It's also available as an ebook in every format, every standard format, and as an audio book from Audible and iTunes and other places. Uh, on social media, I'd say my biggest presence is Facebook. Just I'm Robert J. Sawyer, all run together there, you know, no punctuation, no spaces, Robert J. Sawyer. I'm also on Twitter. I have accounts other places, but really, if you want to find me and interact, chat, we have a very lively, my Facebook wall was very lively, lots of interesting discussions about the writing craft, about, sure, my work, but also Star Trek and astronomy and what's going on in science, dinosaurs, which are I love my social justice issues that we're currently grappling with. All of that you'll find at Robert J. Sawyer on Facebook. And my website, 25 years ago, I knew as a science fiction writer this World Wide Web thing was going to be big. I yeah. was the first science fiction writer in the world to have a website. And so I've got a wonderful URL. It's sfwriter.com. S is in science. S is in fiction. Writer.com celebrating my 25th anniversary of that last month and there's over a million words of how to write advice and information about my books uh to be found at that site well i'm your host darshan mcaway we're talking to robert j sawyer about his latest book the oppenheimer alternative robert it was a pleasure speaking with you darshan thank you so much for making time for me i had a great time no problem at all <laughs>